Welcome to Canyon Hills Friends Church. My name is Alec, and I am the youth pastor here. Um, and if this is your first time, we just want to extend a special welcome to you. And I hope you guys are all okay with the hour switch. Some of you look a little more tired, um, sounded a little bit tired, but it's all right. We're awake. We're here. We're doing this together. Um, and I'm super glad that you were here because we are in our second uh, week of our sermon series called Upstream. And basically what we've been doing is looking at what the world says that we should do um, and pretty much going against it. Um, how the world says we should live life, how the world says we should do life, uh, what the world says, how we should define life, all those things that the world says for us to do. We're examining that thing. Then we're coming back to the Bible and saying, what does God say about life? And how do we respond to that? In most cases, what God is calling you and I to do is to go against with the flow of traffic or go against where the stream is going or to go against the grain. So imagine this, imagine you're in New York City, right? And everyone is like walking around. It's prime time. Everyone's late to work. And everyone on the right-hand side of the street is going that way. And imagine you are the one individual out of that enormous crowd of people rushing to get to work, rushing to go get their Starbucks, rushing to go get a New York slice of pizza, whatever, right? They're walking, and you're the only person that's walking in the opposite direction. It'd be kind of difficult because you would be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, everybody is going in that direction. How come I'm walking in this direction? It's not easy because I'm bumping into people. People are giving me weird looks. They're probably thinking, what is an idiot doing walking against traffic? Everybody in New York City goes that way. And they're not thinking it because they're in New York. They're saying it because they just tell you how it is, right? So everyone's looking at you and is like, why are you living life differently than the flow, than the norm, than what the world says? And Jesus calls us to pretty much walk that kind of life, that we look at the world and what it says for us, and we go in opposition to it. And at some point, it's very difficult to do that. Sometimes it's very difficult to read the Bible, see how it convicts us, reform to it, and then try to walk that life because most times we're heading in an opposite direction than what the rest of the world is doing. And that could be difficult, but the way that I find it a little bit easier is when you and I begin to define ourselves, not by what this world says, but by what God says. When you and I begin to find our identity and not in the things of this world, but in who Jesus Christ is, it becomes easier to go against the grain. It becomes a little bit easier to do things opposite of what the world tells you. And we're going to be talking about that today. So if you have your Bible, please open up to the book of Colossians and go to chapter 3. And if you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We have it up on the screen for you. So we'll start with verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We'll pause there real quick. The first word I want us to look at is the word since. What Paul is doing here when he writes is he is assuming the audience he's talking to are already Christian, meaning they've made a public decision to follow Christ. So all of us, or most of us in here, have probably made a similar decision to where we said, I'm going to accept Christ as my, my Lord and Savior. He's going to be king over my life, and I'm going to respond to it. So that's already something that here Paul is assuming. He says, since you guys are Christians who are reading this, set your hearts on things above. So we'll go in verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I want you to look at verse 3 one more time because I think it's important for you to, and I to really understand this. For you 
died and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. Meaning who you and I thought we were before we knew God, before how we followed Jesus and how we defined who we are, what we do and why we do it, that person has died. So on the cross, when Jesus died, our old self died with him. And when Jesus rose again to new life, we rose with new life with him. Meaning no matter how we define our life, whether it was through career, whether it's through marriage, whether it's through being a father or a mother, whether it's by being a son or daughter, whether it's by being a college student, whether it's about being a millennial, whether it's about being a boomer, it doesn't matter how you would define yourself, but that person is no longer alive because you are alive in Christ. Your identity, my identity, has died with Jesus Christ on the cross, and now this new person, this new life that he promises us is found in who he is. So what that means going on this theme of going upstream is that when everybody else around you, everybody else at your workplace, maybe even people in your neighborhood, or maybe, maybe your spouse in your own household, when everyone else is going with the flow, defining their life by how this world says, through all the things that it offers, we are called to say, I don't find it here, I find it in God. Meaning all the titles that people put on you do not matter anymore. Meaning you being this businessman or businesswoman, that's not who you are. That's something that flows out of who you are, who is given to you by Christ. But at the end of the day, you're not this person. You being a mother or father, that's a great thing. And God has blessed you with that, but it doesn't define who you are. You being a student or you being a son and daughter doesn't define who you are anymore. You are defined by the person and work of Jesus Christ now. And when I hear that and when I read that, I find hope in that. Because here is why. When we try to find ourselves by what this world says, it's tough. It's tiring. It's exhausting. Because when the world looks at you and says, this is who you are, you have to show up every single time and bat 100%. You can't swing or miss. You can't be staring at the ball as it goes by. You have to hit it every single time. And if you don't, you're not that good of an individual. And to me, that sounds so exhausting. Right now, I'm, a lot of things are coming into my life. I'm going to be getting married in April. We just bought a condo. I'm working on the condo. I am tired. And then for me to think at the end of the day, my identity has to be found in all these things and me killing it and me doing a good job and all these things, man, that's tiring. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to find in my, my identity in some things I could fail at. There are times I'm not the best pastor. There are times I'm not the best fiance. There are times I'm not going to be the best handyman because I'm just not. I'm going to see a wall and just punch it and say demolition. There's going to be times I'm not going to show up and kill it the way the world expects me to. So if I find my identity in those things and I fail, what happens to me? Do, do I lose value? Do I lose a sense of purpose or meaning in this world? Because that's what the world tells you. You got to be the best parent. Man, and if things in your household aren't together, oh, you need to go to some parenting class 101. We need to sit down and talk about it. Oh, you're not the best spouse? Oh, man, you guys really like have tons of issues and your marriage is imperfect. Mine is great, but yours? Oh, it's terrible. My Instagram, look at my Instagram page. The kids are smiling. Man, like the world expects you to show up and just have it all together. And you know that's not true because we're normal people. We have pains, we have hurts. We have times where we do great 
And we have times where we don't show up and do that good of a job. And if we try to find ourselves in what the world says about life, you're going to be let down. And here, when I see Jesus saying, you died on the cross with me, I find hope, I find peace, and I find comfort in that. Because what it does for me is it frees me up to be who I am. And at the end of the day, I can say things are in God's hands. I don't have to freak out about escrow. I don't have to say, oh my gosh, we have to ask for an extension because the HOA papers came in late. Oh my gosh, are they going to like deny us? I don't have to worry about that because you know what? I'll look over the papers. I'll have my agent talk to the escrow company and handle that. But you know what? God's in control of it all. Man, April's coming up real quick. And am I going to fit my suit because I lost weight? And am I going to keep the weight down after the marriage and be able to fit in the suit after that? Oh my gosh. And then I have to stand up there and like look perfect. It's ridiculous. Here I see Jesus saying, hey, Alec, it's not about you. I have it. Just find yourself in me and just show up and do the best you can. Just show up, breathe, be yourself, be who I called you to be. But at the end of the day, guess what? You're free of that burden, having to find yourself, your identity of how well you perform, on how well you do, on what others think about you. It becomes quieter and quieter and quieter. And the voice that becomes louder in your voice is the voice of Jesus Christ that says, you find yourself in me, forget what everyone else and what everybody else thinks about you. It's just about me and you. Look at verse five. It says here, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life we once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. And here's what I don't want you to think when you read that verse. I don't want you to say, oh, Jesus, I'm really good at not cussing, except when I stub my toe. Uh, God, I'm pretty good at controlling my anger, except when I come home and the kids are a mess. Um, God, but like all these things you listed, I'm pretty good. On a good day, I can handle myself. I can be joyful. I can smile. I can somewhat put to death the things I do. So God, I'm good. Check. I don't want us to think that because I think there's so much more in this that we can find than just being good moral people. Because sometimes we can find atheists who are better moral people than you and I, including myself. So I don't think that's all Jesus wants us to get out of this verse here. What I think he wants you and I to get out of is when we find our identity and who he is, that's when things begin to make sense. Things change in your life when you find your identity and who Jesus is, not just a bunch of good moral people. He wants you to look at things in your life that try to take your attention, try to look at you and say, this is who you are. This is what matters about you. And if you don't have this, you don't have nothing. Jesus wants you to look at him and say, he's my everything. And because of that, now who I am flows out of that. Now I can go to work and be a good person at work because I find my identity in Jesus, not my job status. I can go into my household and be a good wife, be a good husband, be a good mom or dad, not because my life depends on being that good person, but because I find my identity in who Jesus Christ is and he has changed me so I can show up and just be that person. No matter what area in life that you walk into, if you find who you are in the person of Jesus Christ, 
You get to go in with a burden and weight off of your shoulders and that's put onto God. And you just say, God, I'm here to show up, do my best because at, at the end of the day, it's all on you. And to me, that is freeing. To me, that allows me to take a deep breath and just be who I am. Instead of having to walk around and perform at every place I go, be the best person in every place that I go into. I don't have to walk around with a fake smile. Don't have to say I've got everything all together. I could say, yeah, there are some areas in my life that are going great, but it's hard. It's stressful. It's tiring right now, but it's okay because I find myself not in how well I do all these things, but who Jesus Christ says that I am. And he calls me a son. He calls you a son. He calls you a daughter. He died for you. And if that doesn't speak volumes on who you are, then I don't quite think we understand who God is. God looks at you just the way you are. Take out everything else that you do, just you, not your job, not your family, not your baking count, your square footage, none of that stuff. Those are all great blessings from God, but take all that stuff away and just present you. God looks at you and says, yeah, you're worth it. Yeah, I died for you. The good you and the bad you. The you that everybody knows and the you that no one else knows about except me, I still died for that person. And that is our identity. We get to live and work out of that. And how much more easier is that than working out of performance, looking good, having it all together, making big bucks, being impressive on Instagram and social media? Because to me, that's exhausting. It's tiring to show up and always bat 100%. But God goes, it doesn't matter what you have going on. You are enough. And I showed you that on the cross. And we'll look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And here is what's great about that call. A lot of the times as Christians, we think God calls us to not do things. We think it's about coming to Jesus and being morally transformed and stop doing things. I don't do this, God. I don't cuss anymore. I don't get drunk. I don't do all these things, God. And that's the Christian life. And then we put our Bible away and we show up next Sunday. That is not what the call of a Christian is fully. That is a part of it, but it's not the entire call. See, right here in this verse, we see Paul write, therefore, as God's chosen people, you are called to do things, not called to not do things. See, when Jesus says, find your identity in me, he gives you a life to be able to do things. Not to say, I'm going to stop doing bad things and to just show up and praise and sing and tithe and leave. No, he's called you from something to something. Just think about this. There are people in your lives around you that need you. There are people who are only going to hear about God through you. Because most chances, that person who needs God is not going to wake up and say, you know what? I just want to come to church on Sunday. Because it's kind of scary. It's scary to walk through these doors, maybe not knowing anybody. And you're seeing all these people and you're like, why are some of them raising their hands? And why are some of them on their phones? Man, and why are they giving up their money? That's weird. They earned the money. Why would they give it to these people up here who say, give me your money because the church needs to thrive? That's creepy. This is like a cult. No one's going to just walk off the streets and think, this is amazing. 
That might happen, but chances are the person that God has surrounded you with isn't going to come here off of the street. They're going to come here because of you. They're going to see you living out your identity in Christ and saying, they're not just someone who's a good morally person. They're actually doing things for the kingdom. And I want a part of that because I know their situation at home and it's not that good, but yet they can still walk around with peace. They can still walk around with humility and kindness despite their situation. How are they able to do that? Because I find my identity in the things that I do. And when things are going well, my identity isn't going well either. See, when we put that on, Jesus calls us to a new life to where those people around you who are hurting, those people who are tired, who are seeking, who are lost, who needs to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has put you in that position with that new identity, with that new life that comes for you to bring them here. And imagine if you and I lived out our identity in Christ every single day in our lives to the best of our ability. Imagine who would be sitting next to you right now. Imagine that coworker. Imagine your boss. Yeah, your boss may be here. Imagine your neighbor that you never thought would step foot in church could be next to you. Imagine one of your buddies or your girlfriends who you hang out with and you've been friends since high school and their life has not changed that much. That person can be in here. See, what I think we don't understand about this Christian call, about this new life and this new identity that Jesus gives us is that we're called from something to something to impact people around us because people need you. Someone needs you with the identity of Christ to show up in their life and just show them what it is to be a Christian. Not to tell them, don't do this, don't do that, because they know that. But they want to see Jesus at work, alive in your life. And when they begin to see things that are different, they begin to see your identity isn't found on the status of everything that you have going on in your life, but that you are solid and secure in the person of who Jesus is. They go, I want some of that because I'm tired. I'm tired of searching. I'm tired of running. I have to perform. And if I don't show up, man, things are not that good. People's opinion about me changes. The world looks at me differently, and I want some of that. And that is what Jesus is calling some of us to do right now, is to say, I need to live this out so that person can see Jesus in me and would want some of that. And maybe might be here at Canyon Hills one day, God willing. See, that is the call of a Christian. It's to just die to yourself, to put away the old habits and the old things in the old life that you had. And Jesus invites you to something, which is a new life that is full of freedom, full of joy, full of peace, that you just get to step up and exist and be okay and say, it's on God, and now I can just be myself, and not everything's on me, and it's not my responsibility to get everything done perfectly, but I can just show up with this new identity and live out the life Jesus Christ has called me to live out. So I want to challenge you is just step up. Just live out that calling Jesus has for you. A lot of the times we make life so, so difficult. And it's not because that things can be that way. It's just sometimes we're not living in the space that God calls us to. But if God is saying, I want you to go into this area. I want you to clothe yourself in this way with my spirit and my kindness. Things begin to, begin to make a little bit more sense in life than doing it without Jesus. So my challenge is to die to yourself. To say, am I going to live this out? 
Am I going to stop worrying about what the world says and everyone else thinks about me? Because they put a lot of burden on top of me that I have to take care of. But you know what? It's not with me to begin with. It's on God. I want to challenge you to live that out. I want to challenge you to think about that person that you know needs to be here, who's in a tough spot, who's in a tough situation, who needs God alive in their life. Think about that person. Because God may have put you in their life just to get them here. Just to free them up to be able to live the life God has called for them. So remember, your identity isn't found in this world. It's not found in your job status. It's not found in what everyone else thinks about you. It's just solely found in Jesus Christ. And he looks at you and he says, it's okay. He says, you're fine. Take a breath, breathe, relax. I love you. I died for you. I don't require anything else. I don't need you to have it all together. I don't need you to never miss church again. You're fine just the way you are. And I think we can listen to that, take that in, and truly believe it. I think it'd be a lot easier to live this identity that Jesus gives us. So let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for just loving us for who we are. God, you don't require us to be anything. You don't require us to have things all together. But that God, you just accept us for who we are outside of our job, outside of our home life, God, outside of our marriage status, outside of how great of a parent we are, we aren't outside of high school, God. Doesn't matter how many degrees we have. God, that you literally just look at who we are and take away all those things and you still say we are worth it, that you died for us, that you love us, and that you have a new identity for us. So God, for the person in this room that needed to hear that, I ask that you remind them of that right now, that they are enough. They are fine. That you love them just the way they are despite all the other voices in their life right now. So ask God that you remind them of that right now. And for us, Lord, in the room who are living out our purpose, and that maybe things are hard, maybe putting on this new identity that you've given us, God, is difficult because we're going against the stream, we're going against the grain, and God, everyone else is looking at us and thinking we're weird, that you will encourage us in this room, God, who are doing that. And that you remind them, God, that even when we mess up and we don't head in the direction you're calling us to, you still love us, God. So remind us of that grace when we have bad days. Remind us of that peace and that love that's there when we stumble and fall. And that all you do is pick us back up and say, let's keep going. So God, I thank you for dying for us. I thank you for giving us new life, God, and for giving us a new identity that requires nothing of us except to follow you. So God, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for what you're doing in this church, God. And I ask that you just keep growing us spiritually, Lord. And you'll remember or help remind us, God, that there are people who need to be here, not to fill seats, but God, because their eternity is going in a different direction than you. So I ask you to allow that to inspire us. You will allow that to re-energize us, to go out and just live the life that you've called us to. Because there are people out there, God, who need us in their lives to show them who you are. So God, we love you. We give this time to you and pray this in your name. Amen.